Welcome to the SBP podcast, the voice of mobile film. From San Diego and around the world, we bring you mobile filmmaking with smartphones. We're on episode four of the SBP podcast, making a thriller film with a smartphone. Filmmaker Ren Thackman in Sydney, Australia, shares how she made a winning short film with an Android phone. And now, let's go ahead and talk to Ren. Welcome to the podcast show, uh, Ren, all the way from Sydney in Australia. How are you? Good day. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Um, so... I'm just going to go ahead and get started here. We've got listeners, just so you know, um, all over the world, India, Canada, Australia, um, Spain, and the U.S., of course, just just to name a few. Yeah. <laughs> um, so before we begin, um, I just wanted to say thank you very much for being a part of the podcast and agreeing to doing this little chat with us from all the way down under on a busy that's, day. That's okay. <laughs> I've been looking forward to it. Oh, me too. Um, so let's talk about your film because obviously that's why we're here. Um, mm -hmm. Your film uh, Rearview won the Best Film Award at SF3 uh, Smartphone Flick Fest in Sydney. It did. It won Best Film, Best Cinematography, Best Director, and Best Actress. Wow. Um, yeah. Best Everything, right? Was there a word, Best Everything? <laughs> no. <laughs> but nearly. Um, they had a special award for Best Female Director, and I won that. And then the very next award was Best Director, um, and I won that. So I thought, oh, well, it doesn't matter that I'm a female. <laughs> um, and then our actress won best actress which was wonderful um best cinematography came as a pleasant surprise and then best film I mean when they even announced it everybody looked at us because we'd won everything else so <laughs> <laughs> so everybody um, just kind of gave up after that right <laughs> I wouldn't say that I don't I, it, you know what it came as um it quite it came as quite a shock because I hadn't I didn't find out about the film festival until 49 hours before the deadline Wow. So wow. what you saw was pulled together from idea to upload in 49 hours. Wow. Um, How did you get the idea? Did you did you already kind of at least have some sort of an idea or Well, the car that's in the film is the car that I'd bought that week and <laughs> the actress Kirsty is just one of my best friends and um she was with me picking, you know, it's all very exciting. New, it's my first ever new car and um it's got a reversing camera. And I said to her, oh, how, how creepy would it be if there was something on the camera screen that wasn't behind you? And she's like, oh, stop. And that was all. That I mean, being a filmmaker, I always think everything would make a good film. But it just kind of stayed in the back of my mind. And I'd just finished my big project, like properly shot on red cameras and everything, called The Skydiver and the Scarecrow. And I was uploading it into the, film fest the Sydney Indie Film Festival. And we ended up winning Best Australian Film. And at the same time, the SF3 Festival came up as a suggestion because it was in Sydney and it had 49 hours left. And I spoke to my partner, Danny, who's also in the film, and I said, do you think I can pull something off in 49 hours? And I was exhausted. Like we, I had just come off a two-and-a-half-month project where it was, it was a lot of work. And I said, but it would be just so fun to make something just 
you know, quick and cool and, you know, so I called Kirsty. She was down for it. I called Jen and asked if I could borrow her nine-year-old daughter. <laughs> and and then we, yeah, we, we did it. So the idea was kind of there, but it, I didn't have a platform for it. And then as soon as I did it, I fleshed it out into an idea. And you used, um, uh, it was this your first film made with a phone, by the way? Uh, yeah, yeah, the first film made by a phone. I mean, everybody's filmed stuff on their phone before, but um, the first film project, yeah, that I've, you know, storyboarded and written and directed and made properly. Wow. And you just decided to, and, and I know uh, filmmaking is, I mean, when you're in production, it's at least 12 hours a day, so it's pretty, it's pretty hectic. Um, you used a Samsung Galaxy S7 Edge, correct? That's right, yeah. And did you use any apps or anything like that? Just the native camera on the phone. Um, I, I'm actually an Apple person with a phone, like my phone's a iPhone, but um, I'm a VR director for a company called Catalyst VR, so I do VR projects for companies like Samsung and Medibank and um, and so we use the uh, VR uh, device that you, you can put the Galaxy in. So I, I had my Samsung because I use the Samsung Gear VR and it's empty apart from my VR apps because I intentionally keep it empty so that my apps will, my VR will load better. So I actually had no memory on my iPhone because <laughs> I, I use it for all my, you know, silly photos of friends and things. So that one was just empty and I thought, and I, and I Googled it and um, they said, look, it's much of a muchness, but there is slightly better quality on a Samsung. So yeah, that was just the decision. I had both to choose from and one, one was empty and one was full. So that's why I went with the Galaxy. Wow. Well, it, the quality of the, of the video itself was great. Tell, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about the film? Because at this point, they don't even have an, a clue of what we're really talking about here. <laughs> okay, well, the, the film opens in an in a underground car park at night. And it's called Rearview. It's, it's revealed, the only thing that's revealed in the opening dialogue is that she got the car for very cheap. And she sends her date um, on a walk. He suggests they go back to her place and she she's a bit coy. So he, he leaves and she's trying to reverse out, but every time she does, the the car reveals itself to be haunted. <laughs> That's good. And Don't give away too much more. <laughs> That's about it. I mean, it's just, it's like, it's only in her rear view. So when yeah. she turns around and looks in real life, it's not there. But in the rear view camera and the mirror and... Um, and everything, you know, she can see this thing. So it's, um, yeah, it's pretty creepy. And I've had grown men jump in their seats in the cinema. So it was, it was pretty cool. It kind of reminded me a little bit about, uh, did you ever watch that movie, The Ring? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it had a little bit of that feel to it. <laughs> yeah, just way lower budget. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember Blair Witch? <laughs> yeah. I think Still that would have been... Budget. <laughs> pretty cool to me if you know if if they would have made that now with with uh phone cameras it would have been pretty cool too huh yeah yeah i mean the phone cameras are getting better and better i think red has come out with a camera um with which will change the game. yeah sorry with the phone yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah and um so i think they're getting better and better and um 
technology is moving forward exponentially. So really, really good cameras are coming down in price, not in price, but in higher price. Like uh, we can we can go out and get a, a really good, beautiful 4K camera for, you know, three dollars $400 a day, which is probably $250 US dollars a day, which is, which is so cheap. And and also the like the bottom of the range is getting better. So like mobile phone making is actually, you know, screen worthy. So it's the the big stuff's getting cheaper and the cheap stuff's getting better. So well, uh, you know, you were talking about how you have and you you'd like to have an empty phone. And um, when I shoot videos, I shoot event videos and things like that, and you know, promote my own stuff. And what I do is um, I bought um, an iPhone 4S, which, you know, is full full HD. And I paid, I think, 40 bucks for it or something like that. And the videos come out great for what I use it for. And so, I mean, it really does put something that's very affordable into the hands of everyone. You know, even if it is a used phone that you can, you can you know, buy on Craigslist or I don't know what you guys have there, but off of a friend, maybe a kid. <laughs> yeah. I will say that I have seen, yeah, I mean, it's, it's good. It sounds like, you know what you're doing. And I mean, I, I came out of two film schools. I, I was a part-time magician and paid my way through rain dance film school in London. Mm-hmm. And then I came to Sydney and graduated from New York film Academy in Sydney. And so I, I've been trained the basics and when you're making a film on a smartphone, it's not just that you can pick up a phone and you've got the power of cinema in your pocket. It's just not the case. You've still got to understand the language of film. You've still got to understand how to direct actors. You've still got to um, know, your, know how to move the camera around doing the panning and the, and the tilts and, and things. And, and not just that. You have to know what panning and tilting means. Yeah. When you're putting it in a shot, what are you telling your audience? Are you just moving the camera because it looked cool, or are you, you know, it's got everything needs a reason. And I feel, and I feel like it's it, because filmmaking is getting cheaper. You've got people rushing into it who just haven't even learnt how to make films, which is sad. Because I feel like if you're that enthusiastic, then learn the basics because you've got, you know, you do have really powerful tools to run out and make your own movies, but. Um, just watching your favorite movies isn't enough of an education. I, I just feel like it, we still need quality films. You have to film. study it. You really have yeah. to study it. And, you know, I've I've had some workshops here, which I've taught. And um, to use the phone to make movies, um, it only yeah. takes a few minutes. Everything else in the workshop is the professional aspect and cinematography and and exactly that what you said you know what what this shot represents and um you know when you would want to shoot a close-up and why and um you know just a lot of tricks and things like that that you learn over the years and in film school and and all Mm -hmm. those things but but you know the 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 point of having and and you know what else um I was actually having this discussion with someone yesterday about um, filmmakers who it's not that they're lazy about making movies um, with their phone or anything like that. It's just that it's like you said, they have no training and they feel like they've got the power of the camera. Um, A lot of people in this industry, the mobile film industry are saying anyone can do it. And 
anyone can, but they, they still have to, you know, they have to work on it. They have to be patient. They have to learn. And it is hard work. Filmmaking is not easy. Mm. Well, anybody can pick up a guitar and strum it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, exactly. Doesn't mean we're all Jimi Hendrix. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. So that's that's really really awesome that you did that and you you also you mentioned that you did storyboarding and and all that and how many how many hours did it take you to actually do the production part not the pre-production Uh well we shot for 6 hours I think That's cool Yeah when you I mean I've had different directors have different perspectives on storyboards I've heard that it's the tool of cowards and I've also heard that it's the tool of masters so I mean my hero is um George Miller being a great Australian film director and Mad Max was only storyboards it wasn't even a script and look how great that turned out and um I feel like if you're if you're really good at imagining the shots and you sort of and I'm still learning myself but if, you, if you're really good at imagining the shots and, and you kind of understand the language of what you're doing, if you do storyboard it really well, then you can change it and you can delete shots and you can do everything when it's free to do it and you have heaps of time to think about it. When you're on set, you might not necessarily be shooting everything in order. So if you don't think about it, you could miss a shot. Um, so you have because- to still have a shot list as well. Well, yeah, I mean, your storyboard kind of is, I, I, I label all my storyboards, so, you know, for page numbers like 1A, 1B, 1C. And so my short list is my storyboard, and it, especially if it's a short film, it, you can keep them all in your head, you know what you're shooting. Um, but for even even for bigger films, um, if, you're, if you're doing a scene, it's, it would be terrible to get there on the day and have the same idea that you would have come up with in the storyboard and gone, oh, damn it, we're going to need a dolly and a jib for that, and we didn't bring one. So storyboarding gives you the opportunity to come up with the perfect equipment list. So then when you get to set, even if you have to throw your storyboard out the window because you've, you know, you're running late because of weather or because you come up with a better idea, you've always got that fallback. Um, and I think even with mobile filmmaking, the thing is because it's it's basically free to do another take. It's, um you know, you're not dealing with memory cards or wranglers or anything like that. But I think it's still important to make sure each shot is as good as it can be. And making it up on the day doesn't take advantage of how creative you can be when you've got a couple of hours to think about a shot. So, yeah, I'm a huge fan of storyboarding. Good, good. Um, also, the patience of retakes and, and taking over again and again and again, which, you know, um, it takes special people to, to work this, you know, and to just not say, oh, that's good enough, you know, and to be willing to say, we're going to do, we're going to take another shot. You yeah. Know? I think it's, that comes down to the director's vision as well. If you have a vision for what you're looking for, then you'll know when you've seen it. Um, and so you'll know when a take is right and you'll know when it's not. Um, and that's another thing. When it comes down to storyboarding, you've had a chance to imagine it in your mind. It's pretty. It's pretty full on on set. You usually, you never have enough time. Doesn't matter how much time you have. It's never enough. So you're 
going pretty hard to set up the next shot. So you've got to know that the last one was as good as it could be and that it's going to cut in because you've already planned the whole cut on paper. Um, yeah, I mean, there's some people who just fly by the seat of their pants and do really well. And the thing is, like, I, I can do – I've done I've done films. I've been doing this for six years now, and all my early films I was not lazy but possibly a bit arrogant. And they all turned out fine, but I'm kicking myself now thinking, God, imagine if I really thought about it before I went on set, how much better the shots could have been and how much cooler the gear I would have hired would have been because it would have been for shots that I'd thought of at the time. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of planning ahead. You know, thrillers are a bit, quite a bit of a challenge when it comes to style and cinematography. You know, the timing, the cuts between the shots and all those yeah. aspects of shooting, editing for the effect, they're all really important. Mm -hmm. um, was there anything about using a smartphone to film with that you felt made those challenges easier? Definitely. Um, I went with a thriller because... I mean, smartphone footage is a bit its a bit flat. I mean, you can get lenses and put them on the front of the camera and get a little bit nicer depth of field, but there is a bit of grain in the shadows and it is a bit flat, and I feel like that lends itself to a thriller more than, say, a romantic comedy or something um, or a drama where you'd need the focus to fall off nicely. So I feel like for thriller, the camera's already kind of set up for the look that suits it. And second of all, shooting in a car, um, if you have an Ari Alexa or something, you, you'd have to remove the windscreen to get some of the shots that we got with a smartphone because with a smartphone you can put the phone right up to the glass and you've got plenty of room. Um, with a big bulky camera, you know, you've got a good 30, 40 centimetres behind the lens that you need to cater for. So we got some shots that you couldn't get if you shot it. With a, with a bigger camera unless you were willing to take out the windscreen. So that was that was interesting how easy it was to get some of the angles that would have been so much harder if we had a big bulky camera. Would you consider, um, I know obviously you work with Red Cam and, you know, professional cameras. Would you ever consider uh, maybe on your next film uh, using at least part of the film by using the phone for some of the scenes or anything? Well, it's funny sometimes now that phones are so good, um, there might be something really interesting like an underwater shot. Um, just say you had somebody, there's a great shot in Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels where they first introduced to a character called Soap and there's a, there's a shot from inside a pot of water and he puts... And you're looking up through the water and he throws carrots in the top and then puts the lid on. And it's just a transition shot. And at the time, that would have been removing the bottom of a metal pot, replacing it with glass, um, sealing off the camera underneath a table with a hole in it. So much would have gone into getting a shot that cool as a transition shot. Now, when we're storyboarding, we can go, well, that can just be in a camera in a plastic bag. <laughs> it's actually it's actually been get, done <laughs> yeah so you can get crazy cool shots by fitting the camera or putting the camera where it would be dangerous to put another camera like you can you can really think outside the box for example I've got a really cool fish tank in my land room and having a fish swim past a shot just as a transition when an actor walks into the room it would be so easy to put a camera in the fish tank <laughs> <laughs> 
and see the fish swimming around in the foreground. How interesting is that shot? And that would cut in with red footage because it's so different. Yeah, um, that you, that would be an amazing shot, actually. I almost dare you to do it. <laughs> I mean, it's got to suit your story. Like anything's got to suit the story. I mean, if you had somebody who was drowning in debt, for example, then you might put a phone in a fish tank so it looks like he's literally drowning. Or if you had somebody, I mean, it's terrible, but if you had a scene where somebody was really, really hungover, you know, and you're hungover and you're landing on the toilet and you're looking in, you could put <laughs> you could put the camera in there. So you could see their face and you're not risking, you know, a $30,000 camera. Just remember at the end of the scene to say cut and not flush. Yeah. <laughs> um, but things like putting the, you know, you might want to put the camera on the ground and drive over it as a transition of getting into a mechanics, for example. Or um, in the last, in my last film that I just came off, we had the stunt team from Mad Max and they rolled a police car in the desert for us. And wow. iPhones are great crash cams because, you know, they're cheap cheap to get a hand, handle on and they're really easy to fix to the car. So um, I wouldn't say I'd shoot scenes on a phone, but having got really good shots out of phones, I definitely count them as a piece of equipment for cool transitions that you couldn't do with other cameras. Yeah, that that might be like the next thing that you hear about is, is on every film set, you know, you have this, you have your 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 that, and then you have got to make sure you have a phone or two or three <laughs> to go in the. And everyone's got one, yeah. so um, you've yeah you've always got one on standby. It's just whether or not they've got enough memory. God, bring on phones with SD holders. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, actually the androids have been doing that for a long time where they've got the, the the capability, but the iPhones, they're still not there. They're still not doing that. Yeah. Well, I mean, my Samsung doesn't either. Um, but but the Samsung's really good for VR as well. So, I mean, think, I think phones are becoming more and more of a part of filmmaking. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think they'd cut in well enough for – you know, if, if you were shooting with an RA, you wouldn't chuck a scene done on a phone. But then again, it's an, it's a different look as well. So, um, yeah, so sometimes it's a look you need. So you definitely use it as a it, – it's just another piece of equipment. And I feel like if you've ever made a film on a smartphone, then it's more in, it's more in, your, in the forefront of your mind when you are planning out your film that there are some sort of shots you can get that you couldn't fit a regular camera for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, tell me a little bit about, um, well, what kind of lighting did you use? Uh, for review, so I had LED lighting, um, and that was subtly, very subtly, hidden around the car with a green wash on it. Um, so it was supposed to always still look like it was just natural light from the car park, but being a bright car park and dark inside the car. I didn't want to turn the light on inside the car because that just looks stupid. <laughs> like, well, um, so, yeah, I always had more light coming in the windows than was natural just to pick up the edges of the faces of the actors and stuff. But I've actually um, noticed, too, that sometimes the, the flash of the light going on and off can really mess with the, the effect on the video. Yeah. Um, there's one part I can't escape it, but when she opens the door, there's a bit of a 
it's a bit of an exposure pop and that that's that kind of screams we're shooting this on a phone because you could adjust for that on any other camera but I actually didn't mind it for a for a thriller no I think it I think with it, it's a bit of an edginess if it was a if it was a comedy or a drama then I might have worked harder to polish that out or edit it out but with a with a thriller, I was kind of I showed my partner, and I was like, I think this kind of just works, so I was happy to leave it in. Yeah, I watched the film just a few minutes ago, <laughs> again, <laughs> you know, just to make sure because um, and and there is one thing that I want to point out: um, the actor, uh, the boyfriend, right? Um, I think he's related to you or something. You know him? Uh yeah, he's my boyfriend. Well, who taught him to scream like that? His scream was like amazing. <laughs> it's also not it's not his scream. <laughs> um that was uh pre-recorded. That's a library scream. I've got a lot of sound effects I've pre-recorded with uh, um off other shoots and stuff. So it sounded enough like him that I could use it and I put a bit of reverb to make it sound like it was in a car park, but he didn't scream for me on that shoot. Oh, okay. Um it was it was one o'clock morning and um the car park is in a residential area i think we would have had the police called if we gave that kind of scream <laughs> in a public place that late at night <laughs> well it was definitely quite a scream uh and that kind of is a great segue into audio how did you um how did you make that um the audio uh so i used a i used a handheld microphone and then i synced it up later um, and I didn't clap it cause I didn't have a clapper loader. So I just clicked my fingers at the start of a shot to make sure there was something to load it up to. Um, and yeah, because it's very, very easy to record audio. So, um, I was literally just holding the microphone in one hand and holding the phone in another cause there wasn't a single shot where I couldn't boom in pretty close cause we're inside a car. Um, and then I, the only thing I got wild was the footsteps. So I had her walk past the camera. I uh, sorry, walk past the microphone in her heels, uh, just just to pick that up, so I could put it in wild. But everything else was fine. All all the uh, all the dialogue was recorded at the time. Uh, the music was um, again part of libraries I've got, and so was a lot of the sound effects. So I mean, if you if you're making videos and films and stuff, you you kind of build up a library of sound effects. You got all your favorites. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of the best things to do is to never, never throw anything out and, and to always count on those things. You never know when you need them. That's the other thing, too. When you have a phone, um, sometimes just not so much with audio, but with stock footage that you can collect whenever you happen to be out, even, even you know, police cars racing by or something like that, you can record that and later use it on, on your films, right? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Um I, I recommend if you go to the zoo and if you can if you can get an animal walk into shot with without any zoo kind of things in the background, you can use that stuff later. That's a great um, idea. I, I put a crocodile in all of my films and um that's a nod to my foster parents who live in Darwin, which is kind of the crocodile capital of Australia. And um Sometimes it's a real crocodile. Sometimes it's a stock footage crocodile. Sometimes it's um, uh, crocodile sound effects or a toy crocodile in rear view without giving away too much. But the, the 
little girl pause it she's holding a crocodile um yeah so yeah there's always one in there so if i'm in, if i'm ever at the zoo and crocodiles do a whole lot of nothing but if, if one starts moving i always get I always put my phone up and make sure it's not handheld. I press it against something so it's nice and still. And I, so I've got lots of crocodile stock, more than normal people. <laughs> so, so, okay, no, now I, I need to hear the story behind that. What's, what's the deal with you and crocodiles? So my foster parents uh, live in Darwin. And Darwin in Australia is, is crocodile country. So there's... Any of the rivers and streams, you just wouldn't go swimming unless it was, unless you knew it was safe. There's a lot of crocodiles in Darwin. So if you think in, in Australia, if you think of crocodiles, you think of the Northern Territory because they're not everywhere. They're only in the tropics. And Australia is a big country, whereas I think we're slightly bigger than America. So, um, yeah, the, the north of Australia is so different from Sydney and it's full of lots of wildlife. So... Um, yeah, putting a crocodile in my films just as a nod and a thank you to my foster parents and my foster family is, um, yeah, it's just my way of saying thank you because they've helped me out on pretty much everything I've done my whole life. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I love stories like that. See, when it comes to finding an actor's, you know, I was going to ask you this, but you kind of spoke about that. You said you called so-and-so and you called so-and-so, um, and, um, and the girl, the 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 main actress in or actor in your film, um, she was she was pretty good. Um, so do you? I mean, obviously you have your library of sound effects um, yeah. and videos, but you also have a library of people you can call on when you want to make a quick film. Yeah, well, Kirsty was in. Um, so I met my boyfriend at film school. He was studying acting when I was studying filmmaking. And he's had a part in all my films since film school. Um, he's a really good actor. He performs Shakespeare and he's been in a lot of plays and things. So he's my go-to if I need a generic handsome man. <laughs> um, and then Kirsty McKenzie, she's a, a model who's turned actress and she's got a lot of training. She was in my zombie film, Brainless Killers. And, uh, yeah, but we've just become really good friends. So, I mean, a lot of the actors that, you would say I've got a list of actors. They're actually just friends. And um, we all like creating good work. And if it's going to be a fun project, you'd rather keep it in the family. You know what I mean? Just yeah. look after the people that have looked after you. So, yeah, Kirsty was the first person I called. She's been so helpful on everything else. So, yeah, it was just a nice way of saying thanks. And she was so down for it. <laughs> like, cool, when do you want to do this thing? I'm like, any time in the next 49 hours with enough time to edit. It's <laughs> just like, oh, crap. It's just such a crazy tight deadline, but she was down for it. Well, you know, yeah. you have to love a challenge to be in that business, right? And she trusts me. Yeah. So when we were on set, she could play around and do things, and she knows I would never edit a frame of, you know, if, if she tried something and it didn't work, she felt safe that it wouldn't go in the film. So um, not that that was the case. Um, she's she's really, really good. But, there's you know, there's always ten different ways to play a scene um and so we went with her treating it really sort of um I guess problematic so she was obviously a little rattled in it but she wasn't the typical scared girl you know she's yeah. um yeah so she she does I wanted her to do everything you might do when you're watching it but I hate when you're watching a thriller and you're like don't go up the stairs <laughs> 
<laughs> but she does everything you would do. I mean, she without giving it all away, but she backs out and then she, you know, everything she does, she just tries to figure out what's going on. So it means by the end of the film, um, if she did everything you would have done and, you know, she's met the same fate you would have met. And I think it's more powerful. Yeah, no, it was more realistic. And, and, and that's the other thing in thrillers. Some people tend to overact, which makes it cheesy. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Do you say cheesy there? <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Um, the other thing that I wanted to, I wanted to, for you to talk about too, is your, um, your experience with, um, I mean, we got to, we got to talk about um, SF3, the smartphone flick fest. Um, was that the first time you had heard about it or? It was the first. I knew there was a smartphone film festival in Sydney. I'd heard about it. Um, I just, it was always bad timing. I was always on another project. And this year I heard about it just slightly too late. So I, I knew, well, not too late because we got it in there, but um, I would have enjoyed a week to spend on the film rather than 49 hours. But um, I'll tell you what, I've, I've entered a lot of festivals and I've been to a few really, really great festivals. Um, there's one in Sydney called the Sydney Indie Film Festival, fantastic. Um, but the SF3 Festival, it's in a, it's in a beautiful venue. Um, the ladies that run it really care um, and they don't just care about the films and the awards, they care about everyone having a great experience. So they, you know, all the way up to the shoot, they were, you know, the communication was really good and um, I was able to bring the cast and crew and I was able to, yeah, they, they were just really, really cool. And then when we got there, we just had such a great night and they, they had time planned for networking and they made sure everybody had a, a drink on their way in and everybody, you know, just had a really, really good experience out of it. And they were all about networking, all about helping the filmmakers meet each other, helping the filmmakers meet um, the next generation of filmmakers as well. So it was, um, yeah, it was a really, really positive experience. You can you can tell these ladies really know what they're doing. Um, they uh, they definitely come from event management backgrounds because my goodness, they produced it well. Yeah, they um, they're actually supposed to. I met them here in San Diego last year, and um, and I talked to them. And um, one of the things that in our film festival, which is coming up in April. Um, they're going to come here. They're going to be a part of, I'm going to share a part of the festival with them. So, Amazing. yeah. And so, you know, if you want to tag along, <laughs> <laughs> we do have crocodiles, but they they are at the, we have two zoos in San Diego. One of them is a safari style. Um, they have crocodiles there too, just in case, you know, <laughs> um, um, yeah, definitely. Think about it. The film community, the the mobile film community is like a family. And so you probably got introduced to to that while you were there, huh? Yeah, there's a lot of people who are pretty excited that they can make a a film on their phones at, at all different levels of their careers. Yeah. Yeah, and they also, you know, like once you start getting into this, you'll find uh, people that, uh, you you make friends with people that you meet at one film festival and then you'll go to another film festival or you'll submit the film or whatever and you'll find out 
that they're also, you know, the same people that were at this film festival and there's new people coming in and it's a community that is actually growing. Um, and we were talking to our last uh, filmmaker who was uh, in the last episode, Brian Hennings. He came to San Diego last year for, well, actually this year in April for a film festival. And that's what one of the things that really excited him was the networking and the connecting and urging yep. more people to actually attend the film festivals they submit to if they can, because they really miss out if they don't. Yeah, I totally agree. I've, um, and I'm an artist and I feel the same way with the art. I was in the Barcelona International Art Fair last year and I made the trip to Spain and it was so worth it. So if, um, yeah, always if I can and if I haven't just bankrupted myself on the last film, which is often, <laughs> um, yeah, I always, I always travel. There's been a couple of film festivals in the States where I've actually flown my lead actor out. Well, to, just, just to let you know, um, we're open. Attend on my behalf. I think we're open until yeah. the 19th um, in case you want to do a last minute next film or something. <laughs> um, well, my, I mean, my next film's for Tropfest and that's due on the 11th of January and that's going to keep me busy until then. Um, but yeah, so I, I do, I do try to make an effort to, to come out to them. You can't come to everything of course, but, um, yeah, as much as, uh, up and coming filmmaker can afford to, um, yeah, I do, I do try to go to as many as I can. How many film festivals are there in Sydney? We have over 130 here in San Diego. Yeah, we have a lot in Sydney. Um, I wouldn't know. I, I'm at a guess 80. At yeah. a guess. Yeah. So there's there's always something going on. Um, Melbourne is probably the arts capital, capital of Australia, so they'd have a few more than us. But Sydney's pretty cool. Um, yeah, we, we've got quite a few. At all different levels of the industry. Yeah, there's is so many film festivals. And I know their uh, smartphone flick fest, SF3, was the first one as far as I know. Yeah. So you were in, in really good hands. And the founders of that are um, Allison Crew and Angela Blake. Yeah. And they were <laughs> both, um, they, they were both so excited to that you should like they were so keen to show everybody the films at the start of the festival they're just like we can't believe how much the quality is jumping every year they were just um yeah it's not just like people just chucking together films on their phone like it's really good quality little pieces and um yeah they're really pulling together some talented people it's um it's really cool to see well, you did an awesome job with your film as well, and obviously you you've got the awards to to convince you in case you <laughs> you doubt it. Um, so I'd like to do something really cool now. Um, yeah, like to let our listeners go know that it's the shout out time. Yeah. So um, so what this is is uh, you've got twenty seconds to yep. uh, give a shout-out to as many people as you can, and um, whoever can't make it, then, you know, can't do it, you know. So you've only got 20 seconds. Are you are you ready for this game? I am. Awesome. Okay. Ready and set. And, oh, you know what? 
I almost mm-hmm. I almost completely forgot about the timer. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and count. Um, so I'm going to use my iPhone and set on the timer here. And yeah. go. So the entire cast of Rear View, which is Kirsty McKenzie, Danny Boltz, and Alex Sulis, and the entire crew, which is myself, and <laughs> um, Alex's mum, uh, Jennifer Hill, who lovingly let me borrow her daughter again and has been very supportive and my foster parents and sorry <laughs> it kind of sounds like uh like a zombie movie <laughs> good so it should all podcasts should sort of sound like a zombie movie <laughs> yeah it's a very annoying alarm <laughs> um that's okay that was everybody yeah right it's supposed to be like that though it's just kind of funny <laughs> Um, was, was there, um, was there anyone you really just have to name though, even though, you know, I know it cut you off short here. No, honestly, there were five of us on set and that was it. Cool. Um, (laughs) and the crocodiles. (laughs) Yeah. The plastic crocodile. Yeah. So was there anything else? Well, let me ask you just one last question. I I really forgot to kind of ask you this, but, um, if, if if this was, you know, the very one thing that you would like to advise uh, anyone who hasn't made a film with their phone yet and they're planning on it at some point, what mm-hmm. would your best advice be to, to get them started? Something um, they have to consider. Well, I would just say... And I said this in another interview, but don't walk into it like you're making a film on a phone. Treat it like you're making a film. Just do everything normally. Just organize your sound, organize your storyboard, get your script down, rehearse your actors, get good actors, find a good location, direct your actors, do everything else you would normally do with a film. You're just replacing one piece of equipment. You're just changing the camera to a phone. So you're going to get a lot more creativity with um, where you can fit the camera, but that doesn't mean you can skimp on everything else. If you want to make a good film, good filmmaking isn't the lens that you use. Nobody asked, oh, what did Steven Spielberg shoot his film on? No one cares. It's all about the story and the actors. And, um, yeah, so get, uh, get, get your filmmaking skills down and what you shoot it on won't matter. Story is king. Awesome. I, I love it. That's that's a great point. You know, I had a lot of fun it's talking. I say no one cares what Steven Spielberg well, <laughs> There's it, a lot of DOPs that know exactly and that, you know. I um, mean, who I, even sits through the credits really when when you go watch a film anyways, right? But honestly, nobody walked out. Nobody's ever walked out of a crap movie and gone, oh, but it looks like they had a good camera. Um, <laughs> you know, it. It's it's story. It's story comes down to everything. So, I mean, just work on your story, get your actors in a good place, record the sound really nicely, and and you'll have the freedom of a really lightweight, wonderful little piece of camera equipment. Yeah, that's the whole thing, too. When you have a good story, it, it really captivates you, and it, you even forget you're watching a film. Indeed. I agree. And it gets you excited to make it, and it gets you through the hard bits of making it. Um, yeah. Awesome. Ren. Well, thank you so much for having me. 
Yeah, I was just going to say, you know what, I've, I've really enjoyed, I always learn from every single person that I talk to and, and I've learned a lot from, uh, from this interview with you for sure. And I'm sure that the listeners are, have learned some new things too, and, and more to consider about mobile filmmaking and filmmaking in general. I mean, we're talking to a pro. Uh-huh. On my way. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I really want to thank Ren Thakpam for all the insights to making a short thriller film using her smartphone, and also for letting us know why she makes sure that there are crocodiles in all of her films. I hope that as you're listening to our podcast shows and our guests, you are realizing that no matter what genre your story fits into, you can share your story through film using a camera on your smartphone. So, you want to know more about the International Mobile Film Festival? Get details on our website. Go to www.internationalmobilefilmfestival.com and then subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss our next episode.